Yeah, we're recording. Um, more than anything, we can get our levels right. True. That makes sense. You know, we are also professionals. You know that, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> right. well, I thought we'd forgotten what it is. What was it? Scam- not Scamplex. What was it? Oh, yeah. Bacon, sausage, eggs. Bicycles, tricycles. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, should we go to the theme music? The theme tune. And welcome to Watch It If You Can. My name is Liam. And my name is Dave. This podcast is all about box sets we've created of our favourite films and TV shows. Some you've seen, some you won't, and others you may never want to watch. However, we can say if you've never seen Game of Thrones, then you know nothing. All we want to do is chat on about these films and TV shows we love so dearly, and maybe, just maybe, watch it if you can. Dave, it's your turn to bring your choice this week. So let's get cracking. The first question is, what is it? Good question. Very it's good it. question. <laughs> <laughs> so when you first mentioned doing a podcast and creating a list of our favourite movies and TV shows, this was just always at the top of my list because I just don't think it gets the recognition it deserves. So I've chosen uh, Gross Point Blank. Oh. Okay, so it came out in 1997. So if you don't know, it stars John Cusack uh, as a hitman. So he gets a job in his hometown that just so happens to be on the same weekend as his 10-year high school reunion. And what we learn is John Cusack's character, who's called Martin Blank, hasn't actually been home in 10 years. And he stood up his childhood girlfriend, Debbie, who's played by Minnie Driver, um, at his prom a decade ago. And he ran off, joined the army, uh, became a hitman, and Debbie is now a local DJ. Uh, alongside that storyline, he's hassled throughout the movie by another hitman, uh, who's played by the great Dan Aykroyd, because uh, he wants him to join the Assassin's Union. Um, there's a pair of NSA agents too. He only made around $31 million uh, on a $15 million budget, which is good. It's, yeah, yeah, you know, Got its money back. I just think it deserves so much more. So the premise of the film... Although he's a hitman, it's a comedy, it's got action scenes. I just, I think ultimately it's about, is revisiting your past a healthy thing to do? And Martin does have regular conversations with his psychiatrist, uh, who's just played by the brilliant uh, Alan Arkin. Okay then, Dave, why have you made this choice and put it on your list? So, this film might from the first minute, um, in which an an assassination attempt goes a little bit messy... Uh, I just loved everything about this film. So the the script is great. It's funny. I think every cast member is just perfect. And at the time when um, I watched it in 1997, it just felt new. I hadn't seen anything like it. I didn't have anything I could compare it to at the time. Um, There's a scene where Martin is practising what he can say to his old classmates. And he says, and he's looking in the mirror and he says, Hi, I'm Martin. You remember me. I'm not married, I don't have any kids, and I'd blow your head off if someone paid me enough. And I just thought that, that was brilliant. Because I, I, obviously, I did know he was going to bring it to the episode this week. Um, so I watched it again. And I've got to say, I think it's the first time I've seen it since 
Now we're going to give this away here just because you may actually. I am going to bring this up. You may even see this in the pictures when on release in '97. And I'll um, talk a little bit about that. Definitely that makes me uh, feel. But so obviously I watched it again the other night. So first time, and I'm like, I don't think I've ever actually seen it since then. So it was quite interesting. And what was strange is, before I watched the film, I had it in my head that there was a voiceover, more like John Cusack's character was, there was a voiceover in where he was describing. And when I watched it, it wasn't in there at all. And that's me emails going in again. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I don't know yet. It's 100% be watchable, isn't it? It is, but I, I, I don't know why I had this idea that there was like loads of like, He's talking, not talking to the camera, but he's talking. Are you thinking of high fidelity? Well, I might have, I might have been, <laughs> but then, and I think when I rewatched it, I think what it might have been is the conversations he was having with the with his shrink. Okay, that makes sense. If, if you know me, but I don't know what it is. I, I just, I just thought yeah, there was voiceovers in it, and it wasn't. <laughs> and the fact that we watched in nineteen ninety seven. Yes. You can be forgiven for getting a little bit about it. Yeah. Uh, I do try and watch it at least once a year. And for a few years, it was my, like, New Year's Eve slash New Year's Day movie when everyone went to bed. I would, I would just put it on. Um, I do think it's John Cusack's best performance. And we'll talk a little bit about what you might know him from, listener, if you don't know him already. Uh, but his character is a killer, but it, he's somehow, somehow a likeable one. Um, Joan Cusack's in it. I think she's amazing. She's John's real-life sister. She plays his secretary here. Look. Um, his other sister Anne Cusack yeah. is in it and his brother's in it as well I didn't know his brother was in it yeah his brother has his brother's got, got a yeah I think I can't remember what his, his brother's name is but they're all there's four of them isn't it they're all actors I know both sisters are in it and yeah. we'll touch upon what they're in um, Dan Aykroyd's great in everything anyway yeah um, Dan Aykroyd but I just like this idea that he wants Martin to join this like union it's just that again. It just just seems so funny. Um, do you know what it was? It was the whole the whole premise of like the fact you were they were just so matter of fact and blase. The fact that yeah, they were was, assassins. Yeah, yeah. And I think that I think that's what was a little bit fresh about it in ninety seven. If yeah. that makes sense, is like irrelevance towards this sort of ghastly profession. Um, and he touched on it because they were all ex-army as well and obviously there's, a, there's the government. So there's that as well. But he was just like, yeah. And even even when he went back to the party, the high school reunion, and he was just throwing in there, there was a killer. And it was like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> and it was like, because it's that crazy. Yeah. You, you could get away with just... just... Yeah, and I think because in the movie you, you, you find out no, you know, literally no one in that town seen him for 10 years. So when someone turns up and saying stuff like that, you're not going to take it seriously, are you? And and he does make a joke about... Well, it's not even a joke. He's saying it seriously about how he does it for money. Yeah. Like, it's almost as if to justify, like, oh, I'm not a killer, I do it. <laughs> it's yeah. a job, isn't it? Um, Alan Arkin is just amazing. So he plays a psychiatrist. And I think there's a backstory that we never really learn about how those two meet. It's clear that he knows he's a killer. He is scared of him. And he wants to do, still sort of do the best job he can. And at one point, he is on the phone to Martin and he says, don't kill anyone for a few days, see what it feels like. And Martin replies, all right, I'll give it a shot. And he goes, no, don't shoot anybody. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which is brilliant. Um, but a little backstory. The story itself came from the original screenwriter, uh, John, uh, sorry, Tom Yankovic. And he actually got a letter about his own high school reunion. 
Um, so some of the characters in the uh, the movie are based after some of the people that he went to school with as well. Um, but yeah, so that that's why I picked it. <laughs> what about like we we've already touched on it? What who's your favorite performance? Because it's there's quite a. I was I'd completely forgotten until literally before I watched it, Dan Aykroyd was in it for a start. And <laughs> I'd forgotten how good he is. Yeah, I think he's he's the standout performance in it for me. But what it's your films? So who's no? I've, I've gone with Dan Aykroyd. When I was thinking about the questions. Yeah, I think you could absolutely have a spin-off yes. from the Dan Aykroyd character. Uh, so he's called Grocer. So he is this rival hitman, and the idea of him um, going around recruiting people for his union could be... That could be a TV show I would definitely watch. <coughs> definitely. Um, but he only has really a handful of scene, scenes. Yeah, yeah, I think he's in it for literally about 10, 15 minutes. Yeah, but he hams it up. Like a hundred percent. The the scene in the coffee shop with just him and Martin. Yeah, where they both and they both walk in pointing guns at each other in a restaurant. Sort of secretly. They've but clearly they know, got they, guns. They've yeah. got guns on each other. They know they've got guns on each other. This whole conversation is tinged with it's completely almost banal friendly conversation. Well, I have must have for breakfast and that yeah. and they both got guns at each other and it's just like and then it just sort of a whole scene is just waiting to to go, isn't it? Just like waiting to explode, yeah. and it's. Um, I also like the scene where the two NSA agents are sort of in the toilet, and Dan Aykroyd's hidden in the back, and he comes out and they pretend that Matt yeah. Blank's still here just to get rid of him because he, <laughs> he kind of goes back to hide because, and you know, just, just anything to get rid of him. I just, yeah, I think I love everyone in it. I just think Dan Aykroyd is so, so, so good in it. So, what else has. Obviously, who else is in it and what else have they been in? It was one of the things we were always going to So, about. John Cusack is the, the star. He's been in, like, tons of movies. Okay, I'm, I'm, it's one of my questions, but I feel like it's, it's, it, the time is now. Is this the peak of John Cusack's career? In the 90s? No, just... Oh, just full, the film. Just full stop. Yeah, I if, think if so. You go on IMDb, right... Film. He has a few good films leading up to this. He's just about... He's a leading man. He follows up with um, High Fidelity, comes up a couple of years later. Yeah. And then post that, they're really sketchy. Some of the, the lobby f- movies. Yes. Yeah, I don't really and, know. Because what you could say, though, is... Blockbuster-wise, he was in Con Air. Yes. Which that I think was most people th- know him for. That was right slap banging between this and High Fidelity. So that's what I'm saying. Is this his absolute pinnacle in his career, this film? Yeah, probably. Because, yeah, I mean... Like, they, he did quite a few, like, cool movies going into this. I, I yeah, can't remember. Was, yes, yeah. Um, where he was quite young. Um, and I, he did one with Al Pacino just before as well. I can't remember the name. I think he was he played a lawyer or something like that. That was that was him. So that he was he was he was in the studio system. He was doing big movies, and then and then this came along, and then Connor, and then yeah, um, Runaway Drawers with uh, Dustin Hoffman and Gene Hackman is was a really really good film. Um, if you don't know who he was in Connor. He was the um he was the US Marshal who yes. he wore like the sandals yeah, yeah. and yeah. helped Nick Cage along as like, well. You'll know him if you, he's one of those actors if you if you don't recognise the name, you will definitely know who he yeah, is. Yeah, he pops up and, and I think latter part of his career he's sort of done more 
smaller minor roles in a lot of stuff, hasn't he? Like, I, I've struggled literally, went through IMDb, IMDb the other day, and actually, most of the stuff after after High of Reality, I'm like, never heard of it, never seen it. Never yeah, there's, it. there's a few on there I've, I've never seen, a few I have. I mean, being John Malkovich. Yes. Was sort of huge at the time. Um, he's done Hot Tub Time Machine. Hot Tub Time Machine. <laughs> um, he was in the Disaster Movie Twenty Twelve, which was from the same director as Independence Day, and it's not a great movie. But yeah, it's just to show that he he's done blockbusters, and then he can do the likes of this. If I was picking my favorite, and it's probably one I'd do on a future episode of this, it's probably High Fidelity. Yes. Um, which is based on the Nick Hornby book. Yes, that um, we would. We would love to do that one on the future. It's just like yeah. just for the music alone, you know. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, the 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 thing with that one is though, he owns a record store and he visits past girlfriends, which both sounds very similar to Ghost Point Blank as well. <laughs> so, yeah, check out for me. It's High Fidelity. I think that's the recommendation. Would you go along with that? Or have you got a different one? No, I definitely High Fidelity is. When I think of John Cusack, that's what I think of Hyperdale. And that's the film that made Jack Black on a yes. totally separate yes. note as yes. well. So. so who else have we got in here? We've got Dan Aykroyd. We, we can talk about Dan Aykroyd's career all day long. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? He's at the point... I think he was at the point when he was in this. Is he, he only did stuff he felt interested in doing. I felt like he was at that stage where he didn't really have to do it anymore. Again, I'd recommend watching him if you can. Train places. Train places. That's literally yeah. just thinking of train places. But also, and again, this is another film I'm thinking for the show. Uh, Sneakers with Robert Redford. Oh my it's god! Such I, a good film. I have not seen that since the time like, it, it it was out. I think. Yeah. That's that's a that's, great film. You pulled that one off the bag. Yeah. Yes. Put that on, um, put that on the list for future box set. So many drivers in it. She plays Debbie. Um, this she's this her first big role in Hollywood. Oh, well, I'd have to look what year because she's probably best known because she was Oscar nominated for Goodwill Hunting. And I don't can't think of that it was before or after now. Um, Circle of Friends was her main big sort of breakout movie. Um, she was also the voice of Jane in Tarzan, the Disney Tarzan. Yes. Um, if I was going to recommend the film, no. I've gone with like a 90s action film, Hard Rain, with Christian Slater. Have you ever seen it? I don't know that one, if I'm honest. Um, Morgan Freeman's in it and it's it's about the sort of protecting this like armed truck during like a flood it's like a 90s cheesy 90s action movie um, you're right that Anne Cusack's in it she's got a very small role she just plays like a yeah. classmate I, I didn't realise you know I didn't realise that was it I, no go on I, I didn't realise it was his sister right, okay. I'm trying to do you know what she's in I do remember looking at IMDb. That's basically, by the way, listening. That's literally you made on IMDb constantly. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's our little Bible. What was it? She's Chuck's wife in Better Call Saul, his ex-wife. Oh my god! So she's a recurring character in yes. Better Call Saul. I remember seeing. I remember seeing Better Call Saul. And I was trying to think who is she? Yes. Yeah, but Anne, Anne's role's tiny. Joan is the secretary. She's got the larger role. You'll probably know her from uh, School of Rock. Yes. Uh, Adam's Family movie. Yes. Um, she's also Jessie in the Toy Story movies. Yes. Um, if I was recommending one that maybe our listener hasn't seen, uh, there's a movie called My Blue Heaven. It's a comedy. Again, no? I don't know that It's one. got Steve Martin and Mick Moranis. Oh, interesting. Um, so she's the girlfriend of a mobster, played by uh, Steve Martin, who has to join Witness Protection. So it's from 1990. This... 
this probably does, dated now. This does ring a bell at you yeah. as soon as you've said that. I think check it out if you can find it. It's it, like I said, maybe a bit dated now. I haven't seen it for a while. I, I actually think John Kozak is a better actor than John Kozak. In, and I think she's actually gone on to have a better, more varied career. And and what she does so amazingly well is she makes every character Joan Krushak. And that's not to say she's a she's a she's a character actor. Yeah. She has a way of just bringing this quirkiness that she is because she's quite quirky. Um, she brings it to every role she yeah. plays, I and mean, she you, you just. You don't you don't forget when she's in a film. She's just so good. She's brilliant. She's seen stealing in this. Yes, as good yeah. as like we could talk about Dan Aykroyd all day. Yeah, but Joan Cusack is just as yeah. good. Um, the bit where she's throwing the, the petrol all over the office <laughs> and like you know, <laughs> just like. Um, and then you can't talk about this film with again, not the biggest part, but Alan Arkin, who plays the psychiatrist. Yes. Um. So you'll know him because he says the line, "Argo, fuck yourself," in Argo. Um, he's in Glengarry Glen Ross and in Little Miss Sunshine as that well. That's one of my favourite films. That's definitely going to be a film I will go back and revisit. I mean, if you look at that cast, John Cusack, Mini Driver, John Cusack, Dan Aykroyd and Alan Arkin, that is enough to convince yes. everyone yes. to watch this if you, if you haven't already. And Hank Azira. Yeah, do you know what? I, I, I did have some additional ones like Hank Azira because he's, he's got he's, a little small he... part. But I might touch on why I didn't put that in. Okay, okay. Um, and I'll tell you who else is in it, just by one. Um, and I can't remember his name. Was it Michael Colditz? He was in Walking yes, Dead. Yes, yes, and he's got yeah, really, Band of Brothers. Yes. Yeah, he's he literally pl- bleaking he plays, he plays the arsehole guy. Who yeah, he's like the school boy. Yes, yes, yeah. Um, he sells BMWs, obviously. Yeah, if you don't know who he is, listen, he was in uh, Walking Dead and he's in that kind of famous scene with Negan. Sort of killing, a few, killing off a couple of main characters. He plays Bull in Band of Brothers, which is you know he's fantastic. He's a really yeah. good actor. He's he's actually been he's he, he pops up and he's also one of he's in Captain America as well, isn't he? Isn't he one of his? He is. Um. Yeah. He is. He's one yeah. of the. He's one of back in his the original film. Yeah. His crew. Right, yeah. yeah. But it's a really really tiny. Yeah. Yeah. But that's what he's. He's one of them actors that continually. <laughs> Pops up in a similar role type thing, but he's still really good at it. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so you've watched the film, probably rewatched it, rewatched it, rewatched it. Which scene or moment is the is the one you always that that's that's what you think about so, when you think of the film? I could have picked a few here. There's like the opening assassination scene made me realise I love the film as soon as it come on. There's a shootout at the petrol station. There's a fight scene um, in a hallway, which is actually, he's, he's with, it's with a real-life nine black belt fighter called uh, Benny Erkowitz. Apologies if I pronounced that wrong. But there's also the scene where Martin's trying to explain to Jeremy Piven's character, another, another actor we didn't mention. We've not even got onto Jeremy um, Piven yet. Where he's, been, you know, he's, where he's been for the last 10 years. So just any of those scenes. So I'll, I'll tell you the scene... I'm going to talk about what did you think of them scenes I've just mentioned, like the petrol, or the gas station, as they call it, the shootout and the, the fight scene in the hallway near the end. If, if, if for me, it was where him and Jeremy Perman are wrapping the body up in the banner yeah. and carrying it down. <laughs> and they're just so, they're just putting it into the, the incinerator for the school. I was like, that's just, it's just bonkers. Um, and that's obviously the moment Jeremy Pim realises he's not joking. Yes, yeah. When he tells him. Um, 
the one I picked then is really, really short. But Martin goes to visit his mum in a care home and she sees him and she recognises him and she says, Martin, you know, uh, come and sit down. She, So that happens. You think, oh, right, okay. Mm. That's his mum, you know, clearly. Um, but then you just really quickly realise that she has got mental health issues and that's why she's in the home. Yeah. And they do talk for a little bit and, you, you know, you obviously realise, but then... As the nurse takes her away, Martin shouts out when he runs over and she turns to him, she says, you're a handsome devil, what's your name? Yeah. And I just think it's a genuinely heartbreaking scene because it's a comedy, but it has got some sad moments and I just think it's perfect. And then like Martin uses that line a little bit later in the film when he's like, he's sort of unwrapping to see who it is, he's, he's, he's going to kill. And he uses that line and... and uh, sorry, to, sorry to see when he says it in the mirror. Sorry, and you see when he says it in the mirror, I was sad. It it's, is because his mum, you know, his mum doesn't recognise him anymore. It's a really good scene because he's a hitman, and you know mm. he's got a reason why he. And of course, we've missed the we've missed the part about the premise of the film. We actually stood up Mini Driver's character. What was her name? What was her character name? Uh, Debbie. Debbie on the night of their prom, basically. So she's been just in. She hasn't seen him for 10 years either, yeah. But there was a reason he left, and there was obviously something, and I think he mentioned about his father, wasn't... Yeah, so there's there's a scene um, where he goes to his father's grave and pours, like, a bottle of whiskey yeah. onto it, so you sort of But he seemed a little bit... It's not done in a nice... Yeah, it's, it's yeah, a, like, yeah. yeah so we, he drops so, the bottle and... So there's, there's obviously something there, um, and I think one of the themes throughout the film, and I think it was... It seemed to be a bit of a thing in nineties nineties movies, especially was this, this this angst and rebellion against suburbia. That's that that like sort of suburban lifestyle. You know, it's all a bit oh, we're a bit drawling. But I think those couple of scenes just sort of creak open to say no. There was something a little bit more there. There was a relationship with his mum and dad that broke down and. Um, and I tell you a really clever scene in it, and it sort of touches on all of this. He's in his car and he's going, he goes back to this family home, which has now become a shop, hasn't it? Like yeah, it's the petrol station yeah, slash yeah. shop, yeah. Um, and he's listening to It's Guns N' Roses version of Live and Let yeah. Die in the car, and as he comes out the car and into the shop, the same song carries on, exact same points, but in that really sort of cheesy supermarket music. Yeah. style and it just reiterates that suburban numbness that he walked away from you know it just I found yeah, it yeah. was really really nice little tiny touch um, and I was just like oh, that was a really good scene and it was like because the, you coming home to your family home if it's not hard enough if you've had like family histories but they've knocked it down and turned it into a convenience store <laughs> and petrol station like literally where it was and by the way Jeremy Piven's character took commission on it as well because like, he's an estate agent which I love he's like oh yeah I got commission on that by the way we couldn't get older there's um, just so many good scenes in this this film definitely we did just touch upon the music then so yeah, so we'll lead into, and oh my god, <laughs> we have this. We oh, you may notice we we've got some set questions that we're going to try and bring in every episode when we talk about film. But this question, we thought some weeks it won't really be needed, but for this week, the question is best song. 
taken away on this one, Dave. <laughs> oh, there's, there's too many. I don't think I could. I don't think I picked the best one. So if you all I'm going to say is Joe Strummer was. He, if you don't know, listen. He was the guitarist from the Clash. He yeah. was involved. He wrote a couple of originals of this. He but did he the score. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's some really good songs that you need to definitely check out. So. It, I can see clearly now from Johnny Nash yes. kind of opens to um, Pete Townsend Let My Love Open The Door if you never heard it that's a great song The Bangles Walk Like an Egyptian is yeah. on during the, um, the, the, the the party I think the two standout songs because the scenes they're in are so good and they are well known tracks though but Under Pressure from Bowie and Queen yes. is on and then obviously as you used to mention there Guns N' Roses version Live and Let Die even though it's literally about what 20, 30 seconds. Yeah. But it's just perfect, isn't it's, it? It's good. Um, the, the soundtrack got to number 31 on the Billboard chart and they actually released a second album. Yeah, there's that many. Yeah, there's with some of the songs and, and, and you've, tribute songs. There's an, there's an... It's one of those songs right on the the intro scene and it's, it's, from, it's I think it's an Australian band called The Violet Femmes and it's... And it's, oh my God, it's one of them songs, it's been on so many things and it's a great song and it's just so perfect for that song. And obviously yeah. it's got a big musical heritage in it because um, Mini Driver's character, Debbie, plays a DJ. So there's there's a lot of big, and do you have an 80s sort of... Re, re, 80s visit? vinyl weekend. Yeah, and so there's a lot of that. Ah, oh, the soundtrack is absolutely fantastic. Yeah, it's really well thought through, isn't it? And every song is an absolute gem, I think. Um, and I think it's, we've always already mentioned it, High Fidelity, but it's like, you can see how at the time he was like the cool poster boy John Cusack because he was just he was just he was just cool do you know what I mean he was, <laughs> and he was you know you know it was the people he got involved to make the films and what he did this is what he was you know what I mean it was the soundtrack it was the vibe it was just oh he was it was yeah great film great music great soundtrack definitely okay so moving on to the next question is what if anything would you change to make it better there's not a lot you can change, I think, because, again, this is, like, one of my favourite films, so pretty much every scene and every line. If I had to answer, I could say you could have a little bit more Dan Aykroyd, because that's yes. never going <laughs> to... No, that's like, that's like, no, the world needs more Dan Aykroyd. Yeah, it's so good, in it? So I, I actually think, and you, you've watched it again, haven't you? Yeah. I think you could have swapped out... The hitman who's after Martin and put Dan Aykroyd in those scenes. I don't know if you need that additional though. Hitman, it turns out, because the only reason I think that you need that guy in it is because it's a particular like fight scene, almost like a you know Liam Neeson taking one. Yeah, is this is this one in the shop? No, sorry, this is the one in the hallway. Oh, in the hallway, yes. Um, and I think you can only get that if it's between two people who are trained in martial arts and John Cusack is he's a he's a six degree black belt um, and the guy in the scene is his real life kickboxing teacher as well oh right okay yeah so he's been his teacher for like 20 years well over 20 years now um, so I think yeah as I mentioned before I'd like to see maybe a bit more Dan Aykroyd would have been good I think yeah I think you get rid of the NSA agents again I love Hank Azaria uh, it's a really small part with them too but you could you could you could 
Shoe or more Dan Aykroyd in. Yeah, they don't yeah. really bring that much. They don't drive Not the really. narrative out no. longer. Anything and I love Hank Azaria. I just think you could, you didn't need that. But I'd also what I would have liked to have seen is that first moment when Martin tells Alan Arkin what he does, because you find out he does tell him. Yeah. He has four sessions with him, and then he does tell him he's a killer. And I think that would have been good to see that very first. Would have been seen him. Yeah, because it's a really tight, like, it's only an hour 47-ish. Yes. And that's why, I think that's why it works so well, because less is more, and I am going to come to why less is more in a minute as well. <laughs> you see, I, I rewatched it, and one of the notes I, I wrote down was, although it's not something they could do to make it better, it did fall into a little bit of a trap of it was quite popular in the 80s, 90s American TV film to really go all in with psychiatrists in TV and films. Did you know? Yeah, what I mean? and, yeah. I, and I think there's an obvious reason because you can get a lot of backstory. You can get a lot. You can get a lot of talking moments in it and fill that and sort of you get a you can just get more in like one scene between a patient and a psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. I mean, it seemed to be. But on this, because but then you've got the vibe between a hitman and like it is quite funny as well. But then, did we see that with, uh, what's the the Billy Crystal film? Analyze this. You're probably right. It probably adds because that was a massive hit. Analyze this. Yeah. Wasn't it? So kind of that psychiatry thing, but and think, that and Alan Arkin, I think it was any other actor would have not quite been Alan Arkin. Let's him. Saved it, not saved it, the, the the script for that, but I just think it didn't need to have a psychiatrist. But it being Alan Arkin, he made it work. Yeah, and I, I, apparently, like I was listening to an interview John Cusack gave, and he said Alan Arkin rewrote a lot of those lines. Yeah, can imagine. There so, was yeah. a bit of nervousness from the producing directors going, "Well, he's rewriting the lines," and John Cusack basically gets Alan Arkin just let him do it. Yeah, whatever he does. John Cusack's got writing credit on himself as well, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, the original. Sort of storyline um, was sort of fairly straightforward. It's yeah, it's John Cusack and I can't remember the name of the other writer who kind of beefed it up definitely. Um, and I was just gonna say because um, Debbie's dad, who's actually the intended yeah. victim, I don't know. He's one of them. <laughs> he's one of them actors. Am I stealing your? No, no. I was gonna say I've always stealed your. I was trying to stay away from too many spoilers, but. Um, yeah, well, you know, if, if, if you're watching, if you listen to a podcast about the film and you're bothered about spoilers, you, do, do you know what I mean? It's like, come <laughs> on, you know what I mean? Watch the film, listen to the podcast for the first few minutes, go and watch it, then come back and listen to the podcast. That's, That's what I would idea. do. That is literally what I would do right this minute. But he's one of them actors, I think he's probably in so many 80s films. He's mm. really good in it as well. He's, he's sort of, he's a little bit underwritten, you know what I mean? Yeah, but again, I think... There's just so many characters in it yes. that you just couldn't give justice to everyone. If you only haven't done a Croyd in your film for such a small length of time as well, yeah, it's just going to happen, isn't it? Um, I think I think it just comes down to how good the casting was in yeah. every single character. That, as you're saying there, the dad could have been in it more. You know, just, Alan Arkin could have been in it more. Yeah, just... Film. I'm trying to remember... The, the, I don't... I'm not really aware of the director on his... It's where he's no. it wasn't it was something Armitage or John Armitage, is it something like yeah, that? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um and it was again IMDB, um 
I don't really recognise stuff he did before or after. I think there's a couple of films you're sort of half aware of, but sort of just for such a a career defining moment for John Cusack, the director seems a little bit But don't forget, thirty one million's not a lot of money, so it probably isn't considered a, a, a success. Especially in Hollywood. Yeah. A film that's made for fifteen million makes thirty in terms of Yeah, you know, for the studio. It's, it, that's not Nothing really, so you know, if you say you you made a film that make thirty million these days, you, it's just called a flop, isn't it? Unless you're hitting that billion barrier, but that's a different, I think different it, story. It, 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 it's it, it's and obviously you know thirty million today, thirty million back in ninety seven is where thirty mm. is more. True. But I think it's always I think what I think what film studios are continually looking out for that 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 ratio of, of cost and you know what I mean. If if you make a hundred million but you only spend. 10 million you've made eight, you know what I mean but then if you then if it's, if you cost 99 million to make and you make 110 million you've been like <laughs> do you know what I mean Is it, it was it was quite well, you low. know people have been to see it <laughs> yeah what impression if any did it make so I put it on the list because it was out at a time when trailers were only really sort of seen on a big screen we didn't have access to the sort of things that we do like YouTube now so I think all I had seen was a poster for this and probably a listing in the cinema section. Yeah, see, people forget back in our day, you know, back in our day, do you know where I got to know, we got to know more about f- films coming out, posters and the cardboard cutouts in the yeah. cinemas. It, it, it sounds so bizarre talking yeah. about that now. Can you but... imagine it, listening off, we went to see a film with no trailers no reviews online because there no. was no online. No. All we had. No was spoilers a, on Twitter. No spoilers. All we had was a title and the names of the cast on a poster. Yes. Um, I've watched the trailer since and it's really really good. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> the trailer's really good, um, but me and Liam were just like eighteen when we went to see this on in the old Odeon on London Road, which no longer exists. And I don't know if you remember this. It was a, probably the smallest screen I've ever been in. I only I d- had about twenty rows. I do remember it was like it was. It felt like we were in a little bit of a cupboard behind, and when we mentioned it, when we when when we have spoken about it recently, is I seem to remember there was a bit of a weird couple. There was also <laughs> this weird couple, uh, and I don't know the context why we thought it was weird. I just as soon as you reminded me that we went to see this and on the road, I was like. Weird couple in the crowd, and you're like, I think there was. And I think there was only about ten people in there, but it it just, I said it before, it just reminds me of a time where less was more, because you would go to a film with no idea what was going to happen. I'm, I'm not surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if actually it was previously porn cinema or something. I swear it was <laughs> even in the back room. Do you know what I mean? Uh, but it's, a, I mean, it's a pretty famous cast. Sort of now, but there was no sort of breakout role there. Um, again, I do think Cusack's amazing and Mini Driver's great. Yeah. Uh, Mini Driver's got a podcast herself now called Mini Questions. Yes. Mini Driver. Yeah. Um, I, I think she's probably the biggest breakout in it. And maybe Joan Cusack, because I know she was, she'd done... Uh, did you know what? Jeremy Piven. Yeah. he He's obviously gone on to big things, hasn't yes. he? Yes. Um, and he, again, he's just got like a tiny little role, but um, the, the the sad part of the story, to just to bring things down a bit, that Tom Yangovich, who did write the initial uh, draft, he did sadly 
uh, collapsed and he passed away at a Q&A after a screen of the film. Uh, oh, and he was only 49. Yeah, it was in 2013, um, which is quite sad. But yeah, it, I think the, the impression was, come back. it does come back to it was at a time where you would just go to the cinema. Yeah. Yeah. You, know, you wouldn't go with like someone who's already told you it's good or whatever. We went, very, no one would text you in yeah. the days ago. We, you have to see. We it. went to go. see a, we went to see a film on the back of a poster alone. Basically, and I'm like, basically. can you imagine that? Like, can you imagine how being good <laughs> those poster <laughs> creators were to get you into a cinema on the back of a poster? And I'm like, do you know? Obviously, the, the most classic example of this is is the Star Wars posters. Are just yeah. oh my god, you you go and watch queue watch Star Wars alone just on them posters. But it's such a different world when we went the pictures. Oh, definitely. And I always remember about this time as when well, we were. We were going quite regularly to, to see pictures. I remember, did, was it was around this time the Edge Lane Cinema were doing the, the free films in one day. It, it was it, well, it was any film for a pound. We just any happened film. to go three times. Okay, that I knew it was some. I seem to remember we did free films in one day. Yeah, yeah, did it a couple of times. Actually. Yeah, and that was around Crimson Tide. Scream. Um, Scream. Um, Fifth Element was another one I think we've seen. And the Tarantino one and not the one... And again, from Dust Till Dawn. That's it, Dust Till Dawn. I don't even think I'd... Probably just seen the poster on the day yeah. Yeah, in yeah. the cinema because yeah, yeah. we literally just went, well, we'll go see what's on. Literally walked up and went, right, that's on at 12, that's on at 3, that's on at 6. We've got just, enough time like, to watch three like, films. And you can't explain. <laughs> we used to have to get the echo... And get the listings from the Echo for the yeah. Times. Go, oh, look what's on. It was none of this. Like, do you know what I mean? I feel like... And it, it, it was, if you turn up and it was sold out. Yeah. That was it. You went, You went. well, what else is on? What, what <laughs> yeah. else is on in the next half hour? And you're going to see, you're gonna see some random film you've never seen before. Or um, something again. I feel like these days is we only go to see films we want to go and see, if that makes sense. We've lost that. Yeah. I think I think some of that obviously comes down to costs and stuff, and there's probably a lot more out now than when we were kids. Because now mm. it's a film every every week, or you know, at least every fortnight is a is a big yeah. sort of film. Where I don't think that was the case really. How can our lovely listener so watch it? If you want to watch it, if you can, Gross Point Blank is available to rental buy on uh, Amazon Prime, YouTube, and iTunes. Next question, if you like this, what else would you... Well, what, what else would I like? So there's there's technically an unofficial sequel uh, yes. called War Incorporated. It's more of a, a political com- comedy. It does star, star John Cusack and Joan Cusack again. And he does Dan Aykroyd in it as well? I don't think Dan Aykroyd's in it. It's been a long time I've seen it. But he is a hitman and she is a secretary. Okay. But they're not, they're not the same characters. Um... I mean, is there a f- is there many films that's the same mix of comedy, action and drama as goes point blank? Do you think? I did. You know what? What came to mind? Right off the bat, when I watched it, it was um, and even if they actually predate it, but anything with Eddie Murphy back, you know, is is Axel Rose, not Axel Rose, Axel from Forty um, Axel Foley from Beverly Hills Cop, another Forty Eight Hours. It was in that vibe. They were like quite quite slick. Quick talking, you know what I mean. Loads of crazy action, but they like they always come out of it with a little. <laughs> um, I I was thinking 
Maybe in Bruges. In Bruges. that comedy hitman. Definitely. Kind of movie. Um, obviously, if you have to just play out-and-out hitman films, then, you know, Keanu Reeves has got the John Wick series. Collateral with Tom Cruise are obviously really good. But I was thinking similar comedies. Uh, maybe Get Shorty. Yes. Uh, with John Travolta. Um, and then Kiss Kiss Bang Bang with Robert Downey Jr. And Val Kilmer. Yes. I mean, I, that's very... I've never actually seen that. It's one of them films I keep trying to get around to watching, just never get around to watching. So that's a comedy, action, drama. Yes. That I think is, is yeah, definitely along the same lines. Okay. Just one of the things, um, did you know about the the Jeremy Piven family and Kushak family history? No, not at all. So you know Jeremy Piven and John Kushak went to school together? No. So basically, <laughs> okay. um, they went to school together. They, Jeremy Piven's father ran a acting school that all the Kushak kids went through and they were the sort of stand-up. So that was like a love little story about that. I right. did not know that. So no. ba- basically, they, that. they're from the same town, wherever they're from, in Chicago, or I think it might have been Chicago, um, but they went to the same school together. They grew up together. They really... And I'm like... It's funny how many times that happens in Hollywood. Is um, these because I, I I always put it down to like you know it it makes it not that obtainable when you know someone else who's gone and done it. If that makes sense, it it, it doesn't make it like oh I'll never be a big actor. But if you've got a friend who's an actor, go why he's 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 normal. I can yeah. do it. I think it it's sort of it people migrate towards it if you know. But I was like mm-hmm. so, no, I didn't know that. And again, as you said, if you got if your friends. Family of all actors. Yes. His sisters. <laughs> you know, his two but, sisters. But they brothers. all went through Jeremy Piven's dad's girl. Oh, I know. Was, he no, he I owned did. quite, apparently quite, from what I looked at, it was quite prestigious, well-known um, sort of acting arts college type place that they all went through and they were all sort of alumni, I think the words they use in America, is that, like people have gone on and done it. Um, I thought that was quite interesting. And when you see them two together on screen... It sort of figures yeah, it's because, natural, it, isn't it? and I think the way the characters, he hadn't seen him in ten years, and he was just sort of like right back into it. I think it really, it's a good piece of cast, and I think it was the first time they they really did something together as well. Seems to remember. Yeah, it pro- yeah, it probably is. I can't think of I can't think of another film where they're, they're both in off the top of my head, but I just think I just think there's a natural chemistry between all the yeah. characters. Apparently, as well in the scene where John Cusack sees Minnie Driver's character again for the first time. She improvised kissing him. That was not in the script. Okay. She just grabs him and kisses him. Because she just felt that was sort of, in the, in the moment, that that would be the thing she would do. Um, even though it's like really awkward as well. Do you know what? You just reminded me of that lovely scene with the two of them when he goes round to her house and she's, she's back in her teenage bedroom yeah. and all the posters up. And he, she said, let the airplane where she really gets, really lifts her on his legs and lifts her up. Yeah, yeah. And it's the <laughs> type of thing you do, do when yeah. you're about 18, 19. It's yeah, so yeah. much. And it was such a lovely scene. It was, I'd forgotten. It, that stood out to me. Um, I think Minnie Driver is so good in it. She's just so natural, like you said. I think, um, I, yeah, I think she went on to have a great career. I think this was yeah. definitely a, a, a big point. But I do would come back to. I think this is definitely the the high point in John Cushack's career. This and High Fidelity, I think, they were like the, 
building up to this, this, and then after this, if that makes sense. Yeah. And okay. he's such a good actor as well. And do you think he's just one of them actors that just, once he made it, he's like, oh, I've done it now. I'm like, I'll just... Like, he's made a lot of strange choices in films yeah, I since. Think, I think he's probably... You're probably right. He's probably done a little bit of everything, so he's kind of thinking, I'll only do things I really want to do. I don't think he needs feels the need to, because he could be he could be a massive action star. Yeah, I know he's in like like twenty twelve is a, is a big sort of action movie, um, and he doesn't really do those sort of big studio films, which is you know some actors choose not not to mm. do, don't they? Um, I definitely think High Fidelity was a. A film we really wanted to make, and I think I yeah. did. So he goes yeah. blanks the same, isn't it? I yeah, yeah. Got those it, it was, and was like he. I really want to do it. You can tell he pushed it. It was his project. It was that film only got made. You know, you you know how Hollywood works. That film only got made once he was associated with the script because these scripts float around Hollywood for years and years. You hear yeah. stories about it. There's writer hawk and his script down, and a minute an actor's attached to it. Then it gets going. I think it's exactly that 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 scenario in this. Another film he's in, which I didn't mention before, is Identity. Have you ever seen that? No. So it's sort of a it's sort of a thriller, um, sort of a thriller who done it type, and that is that is really good. That's from two thousand and three, and in two thousand and three he also had Runaway Jewelry, which is a really that is a really good film. That's definitely worth, um, checking out. But yeah, I mean, I'm just just having a quick look at some of the things that there's that a lot of films. So only... so many, um, but so so many probably haven't seen. I mean, say anything. It was like a classic at the time, wasn't it? Eight Men Out is a really good um, film from 1988. Uh, we he plays a baseball player. He's he, he's got a massive list on IMDb. Yeah, but yeah, the, it is. The, the the two you're gonna draw people to is is definitely the two we mentioned yeah, already. Definitely, and a couple alongside that is like. You know, being John Malkovich and yes. definitely identities worth worth checking out as well. He's great. He just seems like a genuinely good person as well. Okay. When you know, when you see interviews with him as well, okay. I'm just a fan of him in general. No, I know. I can totally agree. Okay, we're just going to sort of bring it to wrap this episode up. Um, I'm just going to throw one last question at you. Okay, and it's going to be something I was just thinking about. Is Lee, who was Dave? At the time this film came out. Just a movie lover, really. You kind of like... I'm, the reason I'm asking that question is because I've been thinking about it. Because obviously we, we were going to start doing this podcast. It's like... What, what we're drawn to is the reason what we're drawn to. Is it we're who we were, what we were doing at the time. And it was like, you know, is like... You mentioned that from the moment you saw this film, you just it was one of your favourites. So it was like I'm just interested to like looking back now who you think who was Dave when we went into that cinema that day to watch this film. <laughs> Dave probably didn't know who he was to be honest because we were kind of we were eight were we eighteen eighteen yeah. yeah so we were probably still doing hospital radio. God yeah, still hey. thinking about what our kind of jobs were gonna be. <sighs> um, I was still a few years off even where I think I think I was doing. Oh my god! What was I doing? I don't even know what I was doing. I was in college. Yeah, I was in college. Yeah, I think I was. Um, but no, yeah, I don't really know. I mean, he was just a nerd who loved films. 
And probably after we left that cinema, I probably just went home and watched another film. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's, it's interesting, like, going back to actually think, my God, that is a long time ago, but you're right, it's like, if, if Dave today could go back to Dave then, would you tell him to watch this film? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, right. yeah. I would, so, te- I would tell him that the Dave today still watches this film now. You know, you're literally going to go see a film now that in 2022 you're going to be sitting and talking about yeah. even now. That's how much you're going to like this film. So would the Dave today go back and tell Dave then to, to watch it if he can? He would say watch it if you can. <laughs> <laughs>